Happy July 25th. You know what that means? There's only five more shopping months till Christmas. <laughs> I'm not ready. I won't even be ready uh, on uh, on Christmas Eve. But uh, uh, it's it's summer now. Of course, we're going to um, really be reminded of that later on this week. I'm done trying to figure out these jet streams. Uh, yesterday, I, I I gave you the heads up that that South. Uh, Western heat dome is pushing its way up north, um, which is going to be baking us in, in, in the 90s later on this week. And I thought to myself, oh, OK, well, if the weather's coming from the south, that means we're safe from wildfire smoke uh, for a little bit, uh, f- for a little while. Ah, that's wrong. Um, no. Sorry, red eye guys. Um, but. No, it uh, it turns out that today we have an air quality alert because the wildfires from Canada are, uh, are 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 coming down from the north again. So I don't know. I'm done trying to figure out these jet streams. Um, I thought if uh, we were if we were baking, we wouldn't get smoke, but it looks like we're getting both this week. So breathe carefully once again. Uh, Russian authorities are accusing Ukraine of launching a drone attack on Moscow. Fox's Greg Polkatz here with more. More blasts in Moscow. Russian authorities accused Ukraine of launching a drone attack on the Russian capital early Monday. Two office buildings in the center of the city were hit, including one close to Russia's defense ministry. And there was another attack in Russian-held Crimea. Ukrainian drones struck an ammo dump and disrupted a highway and rail line. This follows more Russian attacks on Ukraine's port cities. Overnight, a grain storage facility was hit in a Danube River port near NATO ally Romania. Russia last week pulled out of the Black Sea grain deal with Ukraine. Secretary of State Blinken said over the weekend Ukraine had regained half of its territory taken by Russia. Kyiv's counteroffensive is proceeding slowly. Greg Palgott, Fox News. Federal Reserve is kicking off a two-day policy meeting today where they're expected to raise interest rates again after giving us a little bit of a break back in June. Um, If they do raise interest rate, it'll be the 11th rate hike since March of 2022, uh, where we started at 2.5% coming out of COVID, and we're currently sitting at 5.25%. The United Nations Command in North Korea have begun discussions about the release of U.S. soldier Travis King, uh, who escaped custody of the Army, where he was facing discipline back here in the States, when he ran through the demilitarized zone into North Korea. Uh, Conversations between the U.N. and North Korea, they were initiated under the Korean War armistice since the U.S. and North Korea have no official uh, diplomatic direct relations. Uh, These negotiations are happening as North Korea fired another ballistic missile into the sea off its east coast on Monday, and the United States deployed a second nuclear submarine to South Korea. The Biden administration has sued Texas over new border barriers installed by the state. Fox's Jaron Halpern has more from the White House. Large buoys placed in the Rio Grande and razor wire fencing is both dangerous and illegal, the Biden administration says, filing a lawsuit to block the measures by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Instead of coming to the table and trying to figure out a way to work together, uh, he continues to do this really uh, cruel 
uh, unjust, inhumane uh, ways of moving forward. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre says the governor is undermining policies that are reducing illegal crossings. In a letter to the president, Abbott says the federal government's failure to enforce immigration laws has forced him to invoke constitutional clauses to protect Texas territory. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. So that bipartisan education budget that was signed last week, uh, it's going to allocate $160 million to provide free breakfast and lunch for all 1.4 million public school students here in the state of Michigan. Uh, The plan also calls for school districts to give first preference uh, to food that is grown and produced in Michigan in hopes of uh, adding a little economic benefit as well. I am 1000% fine with my tax dollars going towards this, even if we're, um, you know, even if we're paying a little bit um, to provide school lunch for the kids that don't don't need it because they're low income, because I I think it destigmatizes the free lunch that uh, people have to apply for because, um, you know, their 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 parents are um, hard up for money and, and can't always afford to send them to school with with a uh, full balanced meals. Um, I know that, um, you know, I know that uh, a lot of kids who received school lunch in the past, uh, free lunch or reduced lunch, they they were kind of embarrassed about it. And this, this kind of takes away that stigma. And uh, we're going to be hearing from Chad Livengood a little bit later on in the show, talking about all this pet project waste that that was in this record setting budget that was passed. Um, I'm trying to find the number. I mean, it's a lot of money. It. I. I, I want to say it's uh like eighty one billion dollars, and they they set aside seven hundred and sixty five million dollars for these pet projects, and uh, you know if we can if we can waste taxpayer money on these special projects and favors to powerful people, we can pony up a little bit more to feed the children with Sally Struthers. City Council is considering a name change for Hart Plaza. Councilwoman Mary Waters, she'll submit a resolution uh, next week, I believe, to change the name of the popular meeting space named after former Lieutenant Governor and Senator Philip Hart to Martin, I'm sorry, to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Plaza. Back in June, if you remember, the Detroit NAACP unveiled a bronze statue of King in Hart Plaza in order for the fact that Hart Plaza was the first place he delivered his iconic I Have a Dream speech a couple of months before the uh, Freedom March in Washington. Eastbound 96 at Livernois was shut down for a number of hours yesterday afternoon after a dead body was found inside a vehicle pulled off to the side of the road. Police were called to the scene after an MDOT courtesy van discovered the body when he pulled up behind a disabled vehicle off on the shoulder about 1230. And uh, unfortunately, the cause of death is believed to be a suicide. And then northbound Southfield Freeway at uh, McNichols, that was also closed for a number of hours yesterday after there was an accident that led to uh, a shooting. Um, Once the accident happened, family members, they came out to the scene of the accident uh, when another vehicle drove past them and started shooting. Michigan State Police said the gunfire was not road rage and it was not random. So it was planned. Uh, Luckily, nobody was hit with any gunfire, but uh, definitely a scary situation. And uh, there's some optimism coming out of Allen Park after one of the Lions' big offseason acquisitions. Uh, Safety C.J. Johnson-Gardner was carted off the field yesterday. Johnson, 
Uh, I think he he led the NFL in interceptions last year. He was tied with a few other players. Um, But uh, in practice, he was pursuing rookie running back Jameer Gibbs on an outside run when his leg just gave out. Uh, Reports out of the Lions training camp says the injury does not appear to be serious after initial medical tests. But, man, I got to tell you, knee injuries are scary uh, for guys who make their living. Uh, relying on their speed. So, um, you know, hopefully it was just uh, just a tweak and uh, C.J. Johnson-Gardner will go on to lead the lead the league in interceptions all by himself this week, uh, this, this season. For not the same old Lions, the brand new Lions with their grit and all. It's first thing with Mike Parsons on WJR. All right, so I was trying to uh, tell you how much that uh, record-setting state budget cost uh, last segment when I was talking about the free school lunch for all school kids. It was uh, $81 billion, um, and that was passed uh, in late June with the aforementioned $764 million that was set aside for pet projects. And uh, Chad Livengood from the Detroit News, he actually took a look at some of uh, how – some of that money was being spent, and he uh, talks about it with Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson on JR Morning. You know, it really doesn't seem to matter what letter is behind a lawmaker's name, whether it's an R or a D or who's in the majority. It seems that at the end of every budget session, there's just this orgy of special interest spending. And some of it is is to buy support for the budget from reluctant legislators. Sometimes it's just lawmakers trying to bring home a little bacon uh, near Claire as documented in the Detroit News, it was a $7 million fix for a dam on Shamrock Lake. Who lives on Shamrock Lake? Well, apparently some very well-connected people because Eagle, the folks that oversee our dam, say there are 80 dams in Michigan that are in poor shape. Much should be much higher priority than this dam. So what happened? Well, then you look at the education budget. Detroit News reporters documented $125 million in special help for school districts. And what do you know? Those 20 districts, all in mostly Democratic areas. Chad Livengood documents just how busted this pet project system is. He's the politics editor and columnist at the Detroit News. Chad, good morning. Good morning, Guy. And as you point out in your piece here, there are well-staffed state departments of experts that are paid to prioritize these projects but they're not consulted when it comes to the legislature as long as it goes into the budget they've got to follow it right that's right i mean the uh the legislature uh or legislators can essentially help a project skip to the front of the line uh, and that's what happened with this uh this lake uh, uh shamrock lake uh just in the north side of the city of Clare, it's about 62 acre impoundment of, of the tobacco river uh, not a not a significant lake uh, of any sorts. Very few residents live on it. Not a big recreation boating lake of any sorts. Um, but they have a dam. It needs it needs some improvements. Ahead. And, and the most of the money actually of the six point eight million dollars is going into dredging the lake. Uh, it's obviously so big, you know boats can get through and whatnot. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's normal things you have to do for an impoundment lake, um, in Michigan or anywhere in the Midwest. But yeah, the, the, uh, Eagle says there are, uh, nearly, uh, somewhat 70, uh, um, dams in worse condition, 
Um, and this one's rated as satisfactory, and, and others are rated unsatisfactory or poor, uh, and essentially need to be replaced. And, and there is, um, you know, only so many resources in these programs. Uh, but what lawmakers have been doing with these surplus funds at the end is they are just stuffing uh, literally hundreds of millions of dollars of, of pet projects into the state budget in the final hours. Um, this one was 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 baked into the budget last summer. Uh, when they rolled out about a billion dollars of spending uh, at 6 p.m. and had it all voted and sent to the governor by 2 a.m. Uh, that 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 night, and this was uh, 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 roughly the same uh, time frame as the, the last the last go around uh, last uh, back in uh, the end of June, um, where they got another round of about 800 million dollars of additional spending was made. Um, in the last minute, none of these none of these projects ever go to the appropriations committee. Um, they never get vetted publicly. There is no system to determine you know real need. Uh, like, like I said, if if there are uh, seventy some odd dams that are in worse condition, one gets to skip to the front of the line. Um, that that seems to be a system that uh, that isn't uh, isn't working well. Chad, it, it, it appears, too, in the first uh, few years of uh, the uh, Whitmer administration that she looked at these things a little bit more closely, used that veto pen. Uh, not so much now. Yeah, uh, Governor uh, Whitmer, in her first budget, I mean, sort of famously vetoed 600-some million dollars of Republican spending and, and, and then used the, her powers, administrative powers, to transfer money around uh, got, got, you know, got into a big standoff with, with the legislature over that. Um, she didn't do that last year uh, in, when she was uh, um, running for re-election, and uh, there was a whole lot of money uh, to be uh, sitting around Lansing from these surpluses from the COVID era, and uh, and so, and then and then she's not doing that now with uh, with Democrats in control of, of both houses of the legislature. Um, and, and yeah, there's, I mean, that's, that is one of the checks and balances. The governor could go in here and line out and veto some of these things. Um, but, uh, as her budget director said, uh, Friday on, on, uh, off the record, uh, WKR, uh, she, you know, he said, basically, look, this is a political document. Uh, that's what the budget is. And he, he worked, he worked for Republicans. Now he's working for a democratic governor. Uh, and you gotta be realistic and pragmatic that you gotta get votes somehow. Um, and there, and there is uh, uh, essentially horse trading. Although he didn't mm-hmm. want to use that term. Mm-hmm. When, when Democrats came in, Chad, they promised greater transparency. And I know, in the in the one billion dollar binge that you guys investigated during the last Republican budget, you showed that I mean, the the, the lawmakers weren't even putting their names on these appropriations requests, right? They came in as yeah. as, as blind requests for funding. Is there greater transparency under Democrat leadership, or are we still seeing these these phantom appropriations? We're, we're still seeing phantom appropriations. They're promising transparency. They're promising to build a website that will attach a name to every single pet project um, that, and, and which, who, which legislator asked for it. Um, that's what we documented last year was, was that there was uh, – uh, a couple hundred, uh, 200 and some odd uh, projects. And we asked the state budget office for a single piece of paper that has to be filed on each of them. 
But the problem is that the single piece of paper, the one pager as it's called, uh, doesn't have to be um, filed until May 1st of the following year. So they appropriate the money on June 30th. You don't know who asked for it. Um, you don't exactly even know who's getting it uh, for certain, unless you can ascertain it in the budget language. Sometimes it's been a little vague. And then we had to basically wait around for, for nine months and tr try to track this money um, uh, or the, or, uh, the flow of it. And, and, and you know, it's, just, it's a lot of work to try to. And so they're promising to, to speed that up and put, put a name on it after, uh, a little more uh, faster. But up front, no, there's on the front end of the process, there's no names attached. It's just, you know, added to the budget. And what we found last year, you had the Senate um, appropriations chairman um, saying, well, well, we couldn't figure out who's, who asked for it. We just put my name on it. Um, and so you know, the, the, the term limited uh, Senate appropriations chairman, Jim Stomas, the Republican of Midland, was just taking the bullet for people. Um, and, 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 not, and, and then we just never really know who actually asked for this. Um, because what we were doing was we were going and looking at campaign finance records, and we'd find some cases where yeah. where a group got money, and then they turn around and shove money into into the uh, campaign coffers of some of their um, uh, of their uh, of their folks that are helping them out in the legislature. Um, and so, so in that sort of cat and mouse game here, you know, reporters are are, are still trying to figure out. Yeah. Bottom line, we get the government we deserve here, and until constituents start to demand more transparency and reject these things, even when it's your guy bringing them home, it's not going to change. Chad, great work on the story. We appreciate your time. Damn right, guy. I think that guy's uh, got a, a future in radio. Listen to him uh, from 6 to 9 here on JR. Uh, last week on JR Morning, we were uh, lamenting that it only seems like people from California, Florida, New York, and Texas ever win big in the lottery. But uh, last month, an Oakland County man won $1.5 million, but he almost never found out. The man who was choosing to remain anonymous said he saw a post online that someone had bought a winning ticket from the store he buys his tickets from. And even though he thought that there was no chance that he was the one who bought the ticket, he checked anyway, and he was the winner. First thing with Mike Parsons on WJR. Well, we are under an air quality uh, alert today. Just getting it from both sides of the jet streams on both sides of the continent. Uh, because later on this week, we're going to be getting that heat dome blowing up from the south. So I guess uh, pick your poison. A group of congressional Republicans are calling for the impeachment of President Biden following the release of a document that alleges he and his son Hunter coerced the CEO of Burisma, that uh, Ukrainian energy company where, where Hunter Biden was, uh, was a board member, um, into paying them millions of dollars to fire a prosecutor who was investigating the company for wrongdoing. Dennis Darnoy, founder of Densar Consulta, uh, Consulting, discusses with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz on All Talk. We've been talking about, uh, it seems like, months and months now, but last week, of course, this release of this unclassified FBI document uh, which details bribery allegations against President Joe Biden. Um, it sparked now some strong reactions from Republicans, as you might expect, with many now calling for uh, Joe Biden's impeachment. And so Senator Chuck Grassley, just a reminder, he's responsible for releasing this forum, which really did allege that Biden and his son Hunter, they coerced the Burisma CEO into paying them millions of dollars to help remove a Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating the company. 
So it's pretty serious stuff. I know a lot of the mainstream media is not covering it, but we are. So impeachment of president should be a last resort, in my opinion, Tom. It doesn't seem to be the case these days uh, as we watch Donald Trump go through all this. Uh, I, I, I want evidence, not allegations for an impeachment. The left says the documents allegations have been debunked in the past and are part of a longstanding smear campaign against the Biden family. The right says Biden's alleged involvement in this international bribery scheme is a grave violation of the law and his oath of office, warranting immediate impeachment proceedings. So which one is it? Uh, let's bring in Dennis Darnoy of Dennis Arc Consulting. Good morning, Dennis. How are you? Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you being here. Uh, it's it, it's hard to get uh, hard evidence in a case like this, but it seems like we have a witness who is credible. Is that enough to talk about impeachment? Well, I think it's enough to continue the conversation. Um, you know, this is something that was uh, raised in 2015, 2016. That's when these uh, comments are coming from. Um, and again, I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind and keep in the context, these, this issue is really at the heart of the first impeachment trial uh, of, of Trump that uh, House Democrats um, went after him for. So this is something that has been circulating uh, in, in the political environment, in the political field for quite a, quite a bit of time now. Um, and so when you have this, and I think what Chuck Grassley was saying is, hey, we have something here. Let's put it out. There's a, a difference of opinion, but let the American people decide not hearing some uh, you know, political spin from whether it's bureaucrats or, or the Democratic Party. Uh, here's the information. You look at it. You see if this is worthy of continuing this conversation. And if, it, if what is alleged is true, then are these not issues that should in, you know, be part of it? An impeachment trial, um, and so you know, I think that that's where we're at. But but I think again, for me, this is at a larger larger issue because Republicans, House Republicans, have mentioned their intent um, to try to expunge the Trump impeachment records before they break for August. That is something that the Speaker Speaker McCarthy has said um, that he he intends to do. And if this issue, um, which was at the heart of his first impeachment, becomes true. And we, we say, hey, wait a second, this is something that, uh, you know, he was unfairly, Trump was unfairly tried for in, in the House. Um, and of course, must be said, acquitted in the Senate. Um, that isn't, isn't this reason enough to expunge that record? So there, there's a, you know, huge picture uh, here at play. It, the allegations seem so egregious that to me, it seems like it, it can't just go away without a special counsel investigation or impeachment hearings to get underway, at least in the House. Is this something that can just die down? Is this a story that people can just forget about? Well, I think House Republicans are pretty committed to making sure it doesn't. Um, because you know there are allegations, and, and I think it's, it's a criminal enterprise is how it's been phrased. Where you know in this particular instance, um, someone, Hunter Biden, is using his proximity to at the at that time the vice president to cash in and to have monetary gain for the family. So I think, as you guys mentioned, it's not necessarily receiving a lot of media coverage, but House Republicans are are very intent on um, keeping this alive. And continuing to have a conversation and of course a lot of people try to downplay it and say well okay even if you do something in the house it won't you know won't move in the senate but i think that's irrelevant to the larger question of whether or not something occurred and whether or not house republicans believe this is something that they should continue to look into yeah and it 
and getting into the heart of the matter in order to look into it, you've got to really look at some of the nuggets that were revealed in this uh, in this case, this FBI document. It alleges that uh, Joe Biden and Hunter, they co- they coerced the Burisma CEO, Mikola Lochevsky, into paying them $10 million. Is it possible? I mean, he, this this CEO has never come out and denied it, that it occurred. Do you think the the oversight committee or whoever it is, maybe it's the judicial committee, but the oversight committee in this case would be able successfully to subpoena the CEO and get him to testify? I mean, it would certainly. You know, I, I don't know what the uh, uh, the ability of Congress to um, subpoena someone who is not a U.S. citizen. Uh, I don't know what their abilities are there, but um, you know, certainly, a, again, I think if you're going to look into this investigation. You have to get the people who who made it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and get them on the record and to uh, whether it's closed door hearings or whether again we saw with uh, when the House Democrats were in charge, certainly putting on a, a made for television production, um, <clears throat> something that allows that individual to be questioned in person. Okay, so we have those new accusations out this morning that Joe Biden himself was on the phone call more than two dozens of times mm-hmm. with these. Uh, Burisma executives talking about business with Hunter Biden, yet he still comes out and says that he never spoke to any of those people regarding business. Is there any, do you think at this point, any serious undermining of, of President Biden's credibility and his ability right now to govern effectively, do you think, in the minds of American people? Well, again, I think when you look at his um, polls, you know, and what his approval rating is, um, there are a number of reasons that his numbers are as low as they are. Um, and I, I think, you know, there are you know, people looking at this, <clears throat> excuse me, and saying, you know, is, is he in a position of leadership? Is he in a position uh, of, of credibility? And there are a number of reasons why people are, are questioning whether or not he is. And, and this is something that, again, adds to that. So, um, again, House Republicans are going to keep this alive for a good while. Um, as well they should. And, and again, let's be honest about it. There's also a political element to it. Uh, Democrats continue to pile on um, who they believe is going to be the number one contender for uh, the presidential nomination in 2024. And Republicans certainly have a responsibility to, to do the same as well. Um, so, yes, I mean, his credibility is certainly going to be continued to call be called into question. And as these allegations uh, see the light of day, and again, I think that's what House Republicans are saying, let's bring it all out to light, um, you know, the more that the, these these allegations seem to be credible, the more it's going to impact his standing with the American people. Do the allegations move the needle on getting Joe Biden to step aside as the candidate in 24? <laughs> I think he'll d- dig in his heels. I think you saw uh, an immediate response from his White House spokesperson and including, you know, the former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, calling Republicans, uh, you know, engaged in political tricks and dirty tricks. So, no, I, I think if anything, it's going to make them dig in more and, and push back. And again, I think we've seen that all along. So there's there's no surprise there. Yeah. Well, we will watch it, of course, closely here. And I always appreciate you coming on. Dennis Darnoy, founder of Densart Consulting. Dennis, thanks so much. A new city council report is suggesting using COVID relief funds to help retirement uh, retirees keep up with inflation and health care costs a decade after their benefits were cut. Um, this report was introduced by City Council member Fred Durhall. Uh, Mayor Duggan plans to spend all $827 million of the COVID relief money by the summer of 2025, 
Uh, but there are still some big questions about whether or not using these funds to assist retirees would be permitted by the Treasury Department. Let's first think with Mike Parsons on WJR. All right, just a few minutes away with uh, from JR Morning. We've got Nick Roddy here, Lloyd Jackson's here, and uh, Guy Gordon's here. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so we've had almost uh, 20, it's been almost 24 hours since the big uh, rebranding of of Twitter to uh, just X. <laughs> and uh, I would say the reaction has been uh, underwhelmed, yes. at least with me personally. Uh, but but there's a lot of people out there raising some good points. Uh, first, uh, my buddy Lou from Trenton, he asked if next time there's a big behind the scenes document dump, is it going to be called the X Files instead of the oh, Twitter Files? Wow, I thought that was a good question. Ooh. Is there a copyright on that? Can they say X Files? The truth is out there. <laughs> it's uh, funny you should mention uh, copyrights because I mean he may have a little trademark problem with uh, trying. You know, first of all, you're trying to trademark a letter in the alphabet. You know, my my take on this is if it's something that three-year-olds sing in a song, it's probably not something that you're going to be easily able to trademark. Yeah, well, I mean, the Google's parent company is Alphabet, so that's, uh, expanding your point out, that's even more audacious. <laughs> um, also, people have been asking, what verbiage do we use? Is it, are you still tweeting? Are you now Xing? Do you re-X instead of retweet? There's a lot of unanswered questions here. But this is a corporate symbol, right? The X is now the corporate entity over Twitter. Yeah, it's like it's right. like uh, Meta, Meta, Meta and Facebook. Facebook, and Facebook. Facebook yeah. is still Facebook, even though it's owned by Meta, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. So that's not gonna that's not gonna change. But I I do find the fact that both Microsoft uh, and I think there was what was the other company that oh Meta Meta has has uh, X trademarked for some things in tech. So it'll be interesting to see. How much you can trademark something like a letter in the alphabet, or is it just the logo that you're trademarking, and it's particular, you know, double bar on one side, right? Single on yeah, the other. Yeah. Right. right, the wingdings X, as I like to call it. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I have to wonder: is this a big branding mistake? I, I mean, the Twitter bird was so um, universally recognized; it, it, it was really, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Or, you know, is, is Elon Musk so ahead of us that uh, we can't see what he's doing and, and, and even his forward-thinking ideas uh, seem like they're bad ideas? You know, it, it, Elon these days just seems that, that, that he is really just rearranging deck chairs. Almost erratic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just he's doing it to do it. And then there are those that rush to his defense because you're going to be perceived. If you criticize Elon Musk, then you got to be a liberal. Right. Mm-hmm. It's got right. nothing to do with it. You're right. either as a user looking at these changes and saying they help my experience or they don't help my experience. Right now, I could care less. I'm still getting my tweets. I'm still getting my stuff out there. So you don't care if it's a bird or an X. I don't care if it's a bird and X, uh, you know, as you can give me the bird as often as he wants. As long (laughs) as the doggone things post, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Um, You know, Twitter has way bigger problems than a logo change. Um, you know, starting with what, what have they lost 50% of their, their sales revenue revenue. since, since he took over and just started kicking hornets nests around there. (laughs) Well, and on the scale of misguided marketing or misguided branding, it's not as bad as new Coke. 
It's not as oh. bad as as the Edsel. There's a lot. There's a lot of other stuff out there you could point to that was a lot dumber. <laughs> well, and you but, know what? I, I mean, despite a lot of the mistakes Elon Musk is making, um, you, you know, threads threads seems all but dead. It kind of just sunk. Yeah, it just it was a big fanfare and then just plop. Yeah, and, and I think I saw engagement on there has has decreased by at least fifty percent. And and I think most people, you know, we live in the world of, of of politics, and 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 so you know, there's there's some people who love Twitter because of Elon Musk, and 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 I wouldn't say Elon Musk himself is super conservative. He's kind of, you know, he, he he you can't really peg down his political um, affiliation, but he's kind of become a conservative darling by sticking it to Twitter by buying it. Um, sure. And then they're raising the issue of censorship, which are all important issues to raise. Uh, that that doesn't make him um, omnipotent or omniscient or omni anything. Right. You know, he's still making a lot of stumbles in the process here. Right. And so, you know, there, there's there's a lot of people who love Twitter because of politics and hate Twitter because of politics. But most people who use it. They don't really care. They they use it for functionality. And That's like, right. And like, you know, Guy said, um, as long as you can still get, get your news, uh, the content of people that you like to follow, you're going to stick with Twitter. And that's been the big uh, criticism of Threads is Threads has been just very random. You'll see you'll see um, content from people you've never heard of mm-hmm. and, and nothing from people you follow. And from what I understand, too, if you decide to get rid of Threads, you're also getting rid of your Instagram. Yes, because Instagram is connected. Yeah, I think they they were working on that. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to delete your threads, then you have to delete your Instagram account. Um, but like I said, I maintain that uh, I, I think they said 130 million people signed up that first week. I maintain that 125 million of those people probably have never even opened up threads. They just have an account <laughs> because they're because on they Instagram. have Instagram. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, uh. So. Some good news coming out of Allen Park after what seemed like really bad news. Uh, C.J. Johnson Gardner, our big uh, safety acquisition from the offseason, was carted off uh, the practice field yesterday because he tweaked his knee. Mm. Um, all reports saying that the injury doesn't appear to be serious, but it is a knee injury for a speed guy. I don't know about you guys, uh, if you kind of got that sinking feeling of, uh-oh, here comes that SOL curse again. <laughs> Well, Lloyd jinxed it. Uh, what is I mean, yeah, pointing, you asked about one player in yesterday's interview with Dan Miller. Dan, what's C.J. Gardner Johnson going to be like? And boom. Yeah. Well, he's going to be this, You know, he's on a stretcher. Oh, yeah. my God. But I'm not I saying know. anything about any one of the players. I'm done. I'm done. Just I win. Texted That's it. And I said, boy, hashtag pure lions. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Well, I'm I'm sure that uh, the cheese head is in the mail for Lloyd. Uh, we got to get out of here. It's JR Morning uh, coming up next after the news. Talk to you in a bit.